0: Uh Barry Barry is that you, my friend? It is now 5 p.m. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Are you sure you want to do it? My movie. What is it? I don't know what it's called. What is it called? Kevin. Dylan. You ready? Oh son of a bitch. Total trying to tell me that I can dodge bullets? The wrong side of the river. I'm Michael George. Stop it. Get some help. Tony Moto, the terrorists had the president's daughter in the old bean factory. I can't get drunk today. (laughs) Too bad you will die. Don't touch me, motherfucker. This spirit is despicable. (laughs) Billy, what's his name? Show. This is Greg Sistero, and you are listening to My Movies Better. Right from the start of Beyond the Black Rainbow, I'm overcome with red. It must be Panos' favorite color or something. Soon I'm more overcome by the thought that this movie could have been called Help Me, I'm a Psychic Baby, and a self help guru birthed me from the abyss, and now another guru in a Ted Bundy wig whose name is Barry trapped me in a psychotherapy dungeon. I think that's what's going on at least. As conversations meander from one thing to another, I wonder to myself if this film will ever get some exposition. Or is it all going to come at once in one scene? Oh God, no. Let's set the scene. Thudding, deep electronic bass waves, and halted breathless chanting. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Honestly, I'm more interested in Cosmatos' approach rather than its execution in this film, and that's one of my main problems with it. It's a beautiful film that's lacking something, but I can't quite nail down what that is. Mandy really built on this style, which is beautiful to look at and intriguing. However, the story in this film doesn't quite match the brilliance of that beat for beat. In fact, the story in this film is... Well, pretty simple and weirdly overly complex at the same time. This is a more direct, on-the-nose film than Mandy. Uh, There's plenty to look at, as I said before, it is a pretty film. The sort of Portal 2-like, late 70s, early 80s decor design, the tricolor black and white and red palette, the annoying way that the dude is smacking his pen, there's a lot to like about this film and a lot to annoy. The film is shot very close, and I also like that. But at the same time, there's a disorientation as to where the fuck anything or anyone is, and that really annoys me. Like, cool things happen, cool shots are shot, the bad guy drives a sports car through the desert or something. Lots of cool, but not a whole lot of substance. And very little explanation. Yet we see Barry's world outside of the world of his captive. So there's not enough exposition to really push forward forward at this point point. and I'm not asking you to bash me over the head with exposition either but I am definitely expecting that that is what you aim to do if you set up a film this way all at once in a single scene or section of the film even persona at least tells you who the fuck she is and who the fuck she is and why the fuck they are where they are come on panos it's like the worst therapy session ever man I think maybe it's because the whole thing feels a bit like a student film from a violent incel who reforms at the last minute remembers that the hero is the captive, not the captor. While I'm a fan of the films that focus on their villains, this one does go a bit far, and it seems to leave out the female lead, giving her little or nothing to do in the first act but look at the floor constantly, literally nothing to do in the second act but sit on the floor constantly. And I understand that that's a choice, but god, I just don't feel this film has the same gravitas as Mandy, at least in the first act. However, that being said, one thing I may have overlooked is how relatable these early scenes are for women. Barry's constant scolding, berating, self-aggrandizing of himself, and his really violent sneering contrast with the silent rage of Elena. So while I do think that in order to actually care about characters, you have to do more than just place them in a predicament, By the end of the first act, and into its transition into the second, Alenia finally really gets a chance to shine. Just kidding, she doesn't. That's just what I wanted to happen. Around this point, we are introduced to a smoking middle-aged woman who who I assume is a nurse or a doctor, at what I assume is a facility or the facility mentioned in the anti-scene slide reel video, I don't actually know. And that's a big problem with this film. Its exposition is nowhere to be found, pretty much consistently throughout. So this woman, whose name is Margo, discovers Barry's weird notebook full of dark photos and even darker drawings that kind of look like he's designing an album cover for Electric Wizard. And yes, she's like sick or something, and then she runs away. Then Barry's phone rings a whole bunch, and I'm like, Panos, are you trying to get me to shut off this film where nothing happens? It honestly feels like an attempt to do David Lynch, but for me, it just doesn't work. It's like the movie is trying to hide some big mystery, and I'm like, what's the mystery? That that dude's bald and also a monster and probably scarred and wearing makeup? Then Barry drives some more. You know, Barry's a really interesting character, and by interesting I mean wearing an awful toupee and sneering a lot. He sort of reminds me of Paul Reiser in Aliens, but more murderously skeevy. The performance is strong. Strongly creepy, and strongly strong. It's fine. Moving on. So Barry wears a turtleneck, which means you know he's gonna psychoanalyze you ladies, with his Ted Bundy wig and dry-swallowing pills that make him trip the fuck out. So somebody types melatonin in an 80s alien's computer screen and Barry menaces Margot cause I guess he like knows that she found his creepy diary or maybe he's just a menace. Also he's massaging her shoulders in the most on the nose case of workplace sexual harassment I've ever seen in a film which just makes the whole experience very squirmy. I will say that that part of it works. I was quite uncomfortable. Basically what I'm saying is that all science is wrong we should burn it to the ground. Well, I'm not saying that, movie's saying that I think. After that scene happened, I had to go back and rewind the scene to see what happened. The massage just threw me off. Apparently, Elena got an illicit object, but they can't say what it is, so I guess I missed it, and I have to rewatch the whole movie. Review cancelled. Some more stuff happens. Margot has a one-sided conversation with Elena, and Elena has nothing to do. I'd like to point out here that the actress who plays Margot delivers lines like she's in a Neil Breen movie. Very well done. Good morning. I am Artificial Intelligence from far into the future. Hope you're hungry. Looks better than usual today. I have taken on this human body in order to communicate with the human. What do you got there, Special patient? I can move from one time plane to another. Let me see. Oh, come on. I'm just curious. Isn't that corrupt? Who is this? Is it your mother? Where is she? Did she die? Good. Isn't that corrupt? Isn't that cheating the public? Isn't that betraying the public's trust? Isn't that immoral? So Margo's all like, did your mom die? Good. And then crumples up her special picture. And I'm like, what's the fucking deal with doctors nowadays? And then Elena is finally given something to do. She like blows up Margo's mind or something. Mental kill. That's super cool for sure. And Barry is pleased as well. I realized he sort of looks like Aidan Gillian as CIA in this movie, uh, from The Dark Knight, I mean. It's a doctor-patient tale as old as time. And again, I'm being critical, but I do think a lot of the discomfort the film creates works and works well. In the second act, I realized this film is similar in a lot of ways to Ex Machina. The captivity, the simulated escape, a world-weary trope at this point. Waiting for the truth of our male antagonist to be revealed. The second act also is more consistent with how I think the whole of the film should have felt. It's great mythmaking, which Panos employs in Mandy as well. And his imagery and staging and shot selections are fantastic. Shot selections. This is true, again, as Man- of Mandy. But to me, what made Mandy more enjoyable was its world-building. And that's a thing that Beyond the Black Rainbow does in a much different way. It sort of doesn't. And I'm being coy, but I know that's a stylistic thing, and it's clearly my opinion, whether or not I like it or not. Uh, I'm sure there are many people who really love this film, and that's understandable. However, I think, for me, some of its artsy pretensions damage its credibility. Uh, The shift halfway in this film is where I think the film gets good. It's pretty much exactly what I said. Uh, Necessary scenes featuring more exposition than, well some exposition, which is a lot more than the rest of the film, and it really starts to tie a lot of these themes together uh, and give you more of a sense of what's going on. In particular, the scene between Barry and the on his deathbed looking like Joe Biden, Dr. Arborea, is particularly good, and it finally gives us sort of some exposition, Um, and it's not shoved down your throat at a rapid pace. In it's still incredibly vague, but the actors really make their relationship between themselves abundantly clear. Barry is the brash young man waiting for the old man to get out of the way and die, and Arborea is the dying empire, perhaps realizing too late his folly. No, not really. But again, I still don't quite know what's going on, and that always sort of worries me. Uh, when I'm watching a film. I really like the color shift here, though, uh, from the red hell of the psychotherapy dungeon to the greenish-gray of Arborea's dying chamber. Uh, It's a great way to mirror the differences between these two characters. It's also when I think the film begins to finally really grab me in its ascent towards the climax, which I think is by far the best thing in this film. Uh, More on that in a little bit. So I've given this film a fair amount of crap for being vague and lacking exposition in a huge way, so I think it's only fair to talk about some things I do like. I've always been a fan of cinematographers who know how to capture actors' faces well, and films that are full of great shots of actors' expressions, not just close-ups, either. This film has an abundance of this. In fact, I would say about 99% of the shots are comprised of actors' faces shot close. Which, like I mentioned before, makes it feel like the movie is hiding something from you. And that in turn supports the overall feelings and themes represented elsewhere in the film. So good job. I can almost count the pores on Barry's face. He's on screen so much. And I really do think that that's a good thing. Juxtaposed within that scene where Dr. Arborea asks Barry to assist him in dying, there is another great color shift uh, to a stark white affected film, um, which is Barry's memories of Arborea. And I'm struck by how they must have shopped at the same toupee store, because that is the same haircut, my man. And then I'm also struck by the realization that Arborea has his own hair, so yeah... Once again, it's a little on the nose, but I think these vague connections and mysterious plot points, uh, I like them more and more as the film goes on. The second act to me is much stronger than the first and really makes up for a lot of the problems that I had with the way the film begins. As far as Cosmatos' washed-out, hard-to-see, and affected camera shots go, I like them a lot more in Mandy, but I think they're fine in this film. Once again, I'd really like to have more of an idea what's going on in these scenes. Uh, Do they all take place in this institute? Are they outdoors? I guess that asking those questions could be seen as negative uh, as I have seen it so far, but also positive in the way that it drew me deeper into the film. It made me really want to know more. It also made me uncomfortable and confused, which I think is the point. I also would really like to see the film on a larger screen uh, than I have access to because I think much of its color and detail gets lost on a small TV, HD, or no. Mine is HD, by the way, and the film looks fine. With all the lights off at night, it's fine. There's some more imagery stuff with uh, a red guy who looks like he's on fire and some clouds and a giant black dot on a white background. Another guy is all silver like Metal Mario and he climbs out of a pool of black paint, I think. And then what the fuck? He's vomiting paint. Coming forth from the abyss, a cannibalistic beast. Uh, We are now in some ways privy to the origin of Barry's madness and violent sneering. But in, in such a way that leaves more questions and heightens the unnerving tension. Here, with the dissonant droning score swelling up and fading away, the revelation that this is some sort of science cult gone wrong becomes all too clear. It's a fantastic moment from start to finish. It's about 15 or 20 minutes of the film uh, near the direct middle. And for me, it really saved that meandering, directionless beginning and a meandering, directionless picture. Also, I would like to point out that this film features Molokai Island in Hawaii, Hawaii. the location of the classic B-movie titan, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which we will be covering soon on an upcoming episode. There's also a lot more color in the second act. I think overall it serves as a counterbalance to the slower opening. The third act is once again centered on Barry, and I don't mean to gripe, but I do feel like another huge problem with this movie, done a bit better, but also present in Mandy as well, is the lack of action for the female lead. Barry gets to drive around in his cool 80s sports car and put on a sick leather jacket all slow-like and moan a bit, and then below it looks like a dagger, and he calls it the devil's teardrop, and Elena's just like sitting in her cell, lying down, sitting again. She's got nothing to do. Meanwhile, Barry's had the time to develop a goth phase. It's just a shame because they make a really big deal out of Elena in some ways just to abandon the character for its cooler, sleeker, balder, gothier villain. It makes the second to third act transition feel exceedingly like a slasher film, which, like in Mandy, I do kind of like. I don't know how well it works in this case, uh, In Mandy the hero becomes the slasher, not the villain. And I feel that Barry's revenge is on the world rather than just Elena. Elena's suffering feels as secondary as her character does to Barry's. Again, that's fine, but don't make such a big deal out of her and then make me forget that she's the main character, if she even is the main character. I think maybe that interpreting the film as having an unlikable, even hateable protagonist and a heroic antagonist is more what Cosmatis was going for, possibly. It's sort of like Macbeth, if Macbeth was just evil the whole time, like Macbeth sans the tragedy part. It's not all bad for Elena, though, because in the third act, she finally has some more stuff to do. Walk around, look at a 3D pyramid, press buttons, walk around some more, and finally go outside. You know, the normal sci-fi stuff. I also wonder at this point if Elena has never been properly taught how to speak and communicate and I feel bad for all the jokes I made about her earlier. I think that there is something great here in this film, and just like Mandy, Cosmatos has taken a pretty standard film trope and rearranged its components into something fresh and new. While for a lot of this review I mocked this movie, I also never honestly thought about shutting it off, even though I made jokes about it. Like this movie, this review takes time to get where it needs to go. Beyond the Black Rainbow doesn't rush haphazardly to its conclusion. It's meticulous in how its story unfolds and when and where those vital story information points are revealed to the audience. If they are revealed at all. It doesn't hold your hand. It expects you to shut up and watch. And I guess I really like that. The third act is slow and deliberate. And it's a march towards the final confrontation between Elena and Barry and it's also the most normal color of the audience, and for that matter, Elena, have seen in the whole film. Elena escapes her confinement and wanders around the facility before ultimately finding a way out. As she reaches out for the earth, we, the audience, are meant to feel as if we, too, are finally stepping back into the firm earth of reality. We, like her, are finally free of some of the constraints of this picture. The finale is probably the most straightforward part of the film, when it decides to become, like I said, the more typical slasher film that was hiding all along. Skinhead Gothberry sniffs a table and carries a big old knife. Elena escapes out into the wild, and the stage is set for the final battle. Which I also have issues with, but you'll have to see it yourself to find out why. Beyond the Black Rainbow is a complicated film that leaves me with, well, complicated feelings about it. It doesn't want to tell you what's going on in the picture, and you have to accept that in order to enjoy it. It's a brash statement from a first-time director, but I can't knock the hustle. It's why Cosmatos burst on the scene with such ferocity and was able to apply those same techniques wonderfully in Mandy. My final grade for Beyond the Black Rainbow is 80%, and I would recommend it. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Movies Better. I watched Beyond the Black Rainbow through Shudder, I am not paid by them, but they got good movies on there. And I do recommend Shudder uh, if you like horror movies, especially good horror movies. Uh, before I leave tonight, I would like to ask you, as I always do, to please like, share, subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyMoviesBetter or Twitter. Twitter.com MyMoviesBetter or Instagram. Instagram at MyMoviesBetter. And uh, you can vote on the movies there. We have a Facebook group. And uh, we got some lists, lists up on Ranker now too so you can give us suggestions for films to cover or watch as well as rank the films we have covered and watched. Thank you once again for listening to My Movies Better and goodbye. Yeah.